Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Man, thank you so much for, um, for just the honor to be your pastor. Um, it's something that, that I don't take lightly, and um, I'm feeling really good today. I'm a little bit under the weather, so I'm, I'm on a heavy dose of Jesus and, and um, some, some NyQuil. And so I am flying pretty high right now. And, you know, you give me some gift cards and, and appreciate, appreciate me. And, and um, man, just, we just love, we love being here. And uh, we're excited about um, building our house and um, putting down some, some solid roots. And, and you're going to have to look at this ugly mug for a long time. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But... Um, we are, uh, we're kicking off a new series today called The Search for Happiness. And so if you got your Bibles or um, you got a smart device or something, I want to invite you to swipe or, or turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Now the Bible, um, for those of you that may not be familiar, it's divided into these two big sections. The first section is the Old Testament. It goes Genesis through Malachi. And then the second section is called the New Testament. And the first four books of that second section we refer to as the Gospels. Gospel means good news, and it's good news because those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell the story of Jesus. And so today we're going to be taking a look at something um, from the life and the teachings of Jesus in that Gospel of Luke uh, there in, uh, in chapter 12. So I want to invite you to turn, and, and we'll get there in just a moment. But um, something that, uh, um, for those of you that may not know me or know, know my family very well, um, others of you, you know, you do know us, you know that we've got two kids, um, Luke and Avery. Luke is 12, Avery is nine, and um, they're always doing things that just, you know, that kids do. You know what I'm talking about, those of you that are parents. And, and um, you know, in, in, in their life, my responsibility is to be a good, good father. I mean, it's just who I am. It's, it's, it's who I am. And, and I'm loved by them. No, I digress. Um, but in this season of life, um, as their father, one of my roles, one of my responsibilities is um, I get up and I'm sure that they get up and get ready for school every day. And Avery, she's usually pretty easy. Like I just go in and, you know, just kind of shake her a couple times and, um, and she's up and she's ready to go. And she's kind of a morning person. And once, like, once she gets the sleep out of her eyes, you know, they like pop open and then she is 90 miles to nothing, like the whole rest of the day. Like, can you just be quiet for just a second? Like it's, it's kind of that, you know, but Luke is, he's very different. Like we have to, we have to like dynamite him out of the bed in the morning, you know, um, and, uh, but, but getting them ready for school is always an adventure. And one of the things that is my responsibility is to be sure that they get a balanced breakfast every morning, you know, because they say, I don't really know who they are, but they say that it's the most important meal of the day, right? And so um, balanced breakfast in the snap household means 
Can you hold it in one hand while you're getting your backpack and your lunchbox in the other hand? Because we got to hurry and get out the door or we are going to be late. I don't know if that's how it is in your household, but that's how it is in the snap. This is just real talk right now. All right, we're always like getting out the door with our hair on fire, you know, like trying to get it all together. And so because we're typically like, you know, trying to do something quick, like I, I can't get into this like eggs and bacon and salt. Like I'm just not that guy. Okay, like that's just not going to happen. All right, so we do Pop-Tarts. Actually, that's kind of a lie. We do Publix toaster pastry because we ain't made of money. Come on. We can't be affording them name brand stuff. We do Publix store brand toaster pastries. And so both of the kids, they really, they really like those, among other things. And we're always trying to find something that's like handheld that they can just grab really quick. Like, and, and here's the thing, like, you know, it says toaster pastries to us. They're just pastries. We ain't put them in the toaster. Like it's out the door. They're just straight out the package, you know, the little aluminum foil. I'm just being honest this morning. And so Avery, my daughter, she will eat um, basically any kind of of pop-tart or toaster pastry there is, as long as it has the frosting on it. You know, like that's how she rolls. You know, she wants the the sugar coating, you know, which is the best part of breakfast. (laughs) Some of you thought the best part of waking up was Folgers in your cup. It's actually the frosting on your pop-tart. But Luke, he's very specific. He only wants the blueberry flavor. That's it. And so typically when I go to the store, We'll get a box of blueberry flavor and then a box of some other flavor, like maybe wild berry or cherry or strawberry or whatever. And then those get put into the pantry for them to grab when we are trying to get out the door to get them to school in the morning. And it never fails. Avery, she always eats the blueberry ones first. (laughs) Because she knows that those are the ones her brother likes which means that all the blueberry ones get gone in two days, and then we're left with a box of Pop-Tarts that Luke doesn't like. And this infuriates him. Infuriates him. But, like, that's what little sisters are for, right? You know, to drive their older brothers crazy. And so, uh, so the other day I noticed... That, oh, and, and by the way, you guys are probably thinking, well, well, why don't you just buy two boxes of blueberry ones, right? Like that would solve, but that would ruin all the fun <laughs> if I did that, you know, so we keep it rolling with the multiple flavors. I'm a, I'm a man about variety, you know, that's really, that's really what I'm about. So the other, the other day I noticed, I opened up the pantry and I noticed like right there at eye level is where the Pop-Tarts sit on like the, the third row, the third shelf from the top, right over here on the right-hand side. And, and I noticed that on the blueberry box, someone had taken a Sharpie marker and they had written Luke <laughs> across the box of the blueberry Publix toaster pastries. Now... It's important for everyone to realize that Luke is not the one that went to the store to get said blueberry toaster pastries. Luke is not the one that, that put the toaster pastries in the cart, nor did he purchase them with his debit card, which he does not have, nor did he bring them home, nor did he pay for the gas 
to go into the vehicle to drive back and forth from the store, nor did, nor did he bring them into the house from, from the back of the SUV, nor did he actually take them out of the bag and put them into the pantry, but yet they were there and he felt the need to tell his sister and everyone else for that matter, do not touch these, they are mine. They are mine. Mine. And so today we are kicking off a brand new series called The Search for Happiness. And when it comes to happiness, when it comes to us figuring out what makes us happy, because that's what we want, right? We want to be happy, right? I mean, I, I want to be happy with my life, right? Don't you? And so, so I can't think of a better way for us to start talking about the search for happiness than to talk about Pop-Tarts. No, that's not what we're talking about. This morning, for the next few minutes, I want to talk to you about money. I want to talk to you about money. And a collective groan was heard over the congregation. <laughs> now, before you tune me out, listen, like, I, I get it. There's not one person in this room that woke up this morning and thought, you know what would be really cool? Is if the pastor talked about money today. That'd be awesome. And some of you are like, man, we invited people and everything. And, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. Money, even though it's a touchy subject for a lot of people, it's a very important subject. And did you know that the Bible talks more about money than it does about heaven and hell combined? In fact, Jesus often communicated quite often about money and the, the ramifications surrounding how we use and invest and serve others with our money. And so since this is a church where Jesus is at the center of everything, if it is important to him, then I believe that it is something that should be important to us. And so we're going to talk about Money today, because for a lot of us, money is the thing that makes us happy in a lot of, in a, in a, in a lot of our lives, all right? And so before we jump in today, I, I just want you to, to please hear my heart, okay? I'm not talking about money today because the church is in some sort of dire financial straits, or anything. In fact, it's, it's quite the opposite. And I want to share a little bit about that for you in, in, in just a minute. But, but this, is, this is not like a, hey, we need your money. Like we got to pay for those gift cards somehow. Like, no, it's, <laughs> it's not like how ironic that that would be the day. I didn't even know anything about that. The church is not in any kind of financial ruin or anything like that. And, and, but I want you to understand that the reason we're talking about money is because I want something, as your pastor, I want something for you, not from you. And I'm not asking any, none of you am I asking for one red cent today. All right, so please don't hear that. But this is what I am asking you to do. I am asking that you would be open to the blessings that God wants to unlock in your life through the realm of your finances. All right, can, can we just agree to like let that be where we're working from today? And you can hear your pastor's heart this morning. All right, so before we jump into our passage in Luke chapter 12, let me start off and let me, let me share some financial wins with you guys that we've experienced here as a church over the past, um, over the past year. You know, because when something good happens, we need to celebrate it, right? All right, so check this out. So I'll just address the, the big elephant in the room. 
I'm a brand new pastor. And when that happens in a congregation, in a, new, in, a, in a church and everything, things get weird sometimes. And people get upset because they don't like the new pastor, even though he's so good looking. <laughs> I, this isn't for everybody, you know. No, like people just get upset and they don't, they don't like the way he looks or the way he walks or the way he dresses or, or the, you know, they're just, they're going to they're gonna pick it apart and they're just going to find something that it's not for them. And look, that's okay. I realize that I'm an acquired taste. I'm not for everybody. And so over, over the past eight months, we've had some people leave because they felt like, well, because one chapter of Christ's walk closed they weren't willing to step in or weren't able to step into the next chapter. And they felt like the Lord was calling them elsewhere. And guess what? We've sent them out with our blessings. And, and we've applauded them. This isn't the only church in town. I think it's the best church in town. But it's not the only one. And so people have decided that the Lord had something else for them. And hey, that's okay because... Life happens in seasons, and so sometimes the season comes to an end and, and a new one begins. And so, so there have been some people that have left. There have been some people that have left, and those people, they were regular givers. And so quite honestly, like when that happens, like the giving goes down. And so we've, we've had, to, had to ride that wave and, and, and figure that out. I've never done this before. I mean, I, I've, I've never been a lead pastor before, and so we're figuring this out. And so, like, this is just coming from a place of, like, I just want to be real and raw with everybody this morning. Like, this is, this is what we're dealing with. But did you know that over this past year, we've had 27 first-time givers that have given? Yeah, this is stuff to celebrate. 27 people that have given at Christ Walk for the very first time. When I got here, there was a remodel project that had happened, um, and there was about 10% of it that was just undone. Like, we just got tired of the end, and like, we just couldn't, you know, couldn't close or whatever. We, could, we couldn't finish it. Well, the last 10% of that remodel project has been completed. You guys have seen outside, we've installed beautiful landscaping all over our property in phase one of our landscaping efforts, 100% paid for. We were forced with having to replace our office roof. Our office is the, is the former parsonage that sits just in behind this building. And, and there was some damage over a couple hurricane seasons and, and there were some leaks and things. And we were forced to have to not just address those leaks, but we had to put a whole new roof on the, on the office building. And there was some, there was some damage to, to the roof in, in this building as well. And we had to replace and, and repair some of those things. We painted the exterior of the office. When I, when I first came here, it was like four different colors. And now it's all the same color and it looks great. We've implemented a new assimilation strategy. You saw my man Doug up here earlier and he was showing you the tumbler and the towel and the t-shirt. Guess what? Those cost money. And we've implemented that new strategy so that when people come here for the first, second, and third time, we can just take a step of faith um, with, with God and we can just add value to their lives because we want people to know, hey, this is a place where, where you belong. We want you to be here and, and we want to add value to the thing. We want to be a blessing to you out of the blessings that God has given us. And did you know that this year we've averaged nearly six first-time guests every week? You know what that is? Yeah. You know what that is? That's a sign of a healthy, thriving, life-giving, growing church right there, in case you were wondering. We were able to host the Global Leadership Summit, and we had over 60 community leaders taking part in, in developing their skills as a leader so that they could go back into the places of this community and make a difference on behalf of their businesses or their local organizations. 
As a part of National Serve Day, we hosted a free soccer clinic on the island that had over 40 kids plus their families in attendance. And we just served them. We just loved them. Those kids had a great time learning the game of soccer. And and a number of you came together as the body of Christ and just loved on your community that day. No strings attached. We've partnered with um, a number of other churches through the Next Level Relational Network to help Pastor Steve Crowder, a guy that likely you guys will never meet. He pastors a church called Highway Community Church in Boulder, Colorado. And he and I were in a pastor's group together. We partnered with other churches. He was in a place where he was bivocational and his church was wanting to bring him on full time. But they couldn't quite yet, they hadn't quite gotten to where they could afford the first year of his salary. They just needed to kickstart. And so we partnered with, um, with nearly 100 other churches to all pony up the money for him and another pastor that was in the same boat. And now he's full time at his church and he can focus just on them instead of having to split his time between working a job outside of the church and pastoring his church. We've partnered with Robert Jackson, who's investing in the lives of people in Zacapa, Guatemala, and providing them with food and clean water and the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. We've partnered with Gary and Dina Pate, who are training up leaders that are planning house churches and that are sharing the gospel through community Bible clubs in the remote villages of the southern Andes Mountains of Ecuador, these places that people don't even go. We've partnered with Andrew Quinley and Medialite, in Thailand, where students are being trained in the areas of leadership, discipleship, and media, graphics, video, and all sorts of things like that to share the gospel with people in their own regions from all over the world. We're going to make an investment in Upward Church, a new church plant in Moline, Illinois. Pastor Ryan Robertson and his family They uprooted from Georgia. They moved to this remote town in Illinois that they knew nobody. And they've planted a church just last month. They they began to hold their first services with like 150 people in attendance right off the bat. They moved there not knowing a single person, but they are forever changing the course and the destiny of the people of that city. We're also in talks with a couple local organizations here in Nassau County, trying to figure out ways that we can further support their efforts in sharing the love of Jesus and and meeting the needs of the often overlooked homeless and underprivileged in our area with food, clothing, and other necessities. We're in a position where we're getting ready to invest $35,000 with the Wesleyan Investment Foundation, which exists to partner with pastors and churches to fund church plants and building expansion so that more people in communities all over the country can be reached with the gospel. And oh yeah, in the midst of doing that, all of those things, we also paid off our mortgage and we're 100% debt-free today. And so a few weeks from now, once we get all the paperwork completed and everything, we're going to have a note-burning ceremony. (laughs) And it's going to be awesome. And the Lord is going to show up and revival is going to break out. (laughs) See, what I hope that you're beginning to understand is that we're not just trying to ensure we have church next Sunday. Instead, together, you and I, we are a part of something much bigger than ourselves, And God is using our faithfulness and generosity as a church toward him to create a legacy. 
We are part of building something that's going to far outlast any of us. You and I are building something that is going to outlast us and, and reach into coming generations. And it's going to create a ripple effect that can be felt not just in our city or our state, but all over the country and beyond. See, the Lord has, has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. But the problem comes in when we look at our money the way Luke looks at those blueberry Pop-Tarts. And we say, it's all mine. It's all mine. That's the problem. And I believe the Bible speaks specifically and directly to that. And in fact, it's words that came right out of Jesus' mouth. So let's jump in to Luke chapter 12 together this morning, starting in verse 15. Jesus was in a place and, and thousands of people had gathered. In fact, at the, the beginning of this chapter, in, in chapter 12, it says there were so many people that they were stepping all over each other. And they'd come to listen to him teach. And, and Jesus starts to teach them. And he's, he's teaching them, be, beware of living like the Pharisees. And, and don't be ashamed of Jesus in your life. And he's going through all of these things. And then all of a sudden, somebody from the crowd pipes up and like hollers out a question to Jesus. And, and ultimately, it has to do with, with um, it's, it's, a, it's a brother, a, a set of brothers. And their father has passed away and has left a piece of property to them. But the, the younger brother isn't getting half of it from his older brother. And he's mad because he hasn't gotten what is rightfully his. And he says, Jesus, what do you plan to do about this? What should my brother do? Tell my brother that he needs to give me my fair share of the land that we've inherited. And Jesus says this, he says, be careful, starting in verse 15, be careful and guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not measured by how much one owns. Then Jesus told this story. As he often does, Jesus spoke in parables. And here's one of them. He, he shares this story with the people. He said, there was a rich man who had some land, which grew a good crop. He thought to himself, what will I do? I have no place to keep all my crops. Then he said in verse 18, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and other goods. Then I can say to myself, I have enough good things stored to last for many years. Rest, eat, drink, and enjoy life. But God said to him, you foolish man, tonight your life will be taken from you. So who will get these things you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be for those who store up things for themselves and are not rich toward God. Here's my takeaway from that story. It's the principle that we're going to be operating off of from today. And in fact, it's kind of the big idea of this message, if you will. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's this principle. It looks like this. Our wealth is not based on what we have, but it's based on what we give. Our wealth is not based on what we have, but what we give. And a lot of us, we, we determine our value. We determine our success. We determine whether we're hitting all the marks or not by, by the number that is in our bank account, by how many figures there are on our paycheck, by, by whether or not we have the, the newest gadgets and gizmos. 
And that's what we're basing our, our wealth and, and the things that we're amassing and our value in this world. We're basing it on all of those things. But, but according to this passage and according to what Jesus says, our wealth is not based on what we have, but instead on what we give. See, the, the whole message of the gospel itself is based on this principle. God set the example for us. He went first. He gave so that we could have. And if you've been in church for any, any amount of time, or, or even if you've been to a football game, chances are you've seen somebody hold this up on a poster. We, we're all pretty familiar with this verse, John 3, 16. Look, it's right there in front of you, and we've, we've missed it for so long. It says, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever, that's all of us, Whoever believes in him may not be lost, but have eternal life. He gave the most precious thing that he could ever give. I've got a son, and I will fight you for him. You're not taking him. God gave the most precious thing that he had, his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him may not be lost, but so that they could have the greatest gift of everlasting, eternal life. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's nothing wrong with us having, okay? There's nothing wrong with us having. I believe God wants us to have things. I believe that, I believe that God wants us to have food and clothing and shelter and transportation. He wants us to have these experiences as a family and, and to be able to take vacations and, and, and for us to have nice things and, and to live at the ability that, that he's blessed us to live at. But here's the thing. When our having begins to take precedent over our giving, then we circumvent God's desire to pour out his blessings in our life because we get it backwards because we're so focused on getting more and more and more. And it, what we've done is, is we've put a kink in the hose because of our quest to get more. We've actually kinked the hose and God is no longer able to pour out his blessings in our life. The Bible addresses this in, in the book of Malachi. It's, it's right at the end of the Old Testament, the prophet Malachi speaking in, and it says, should a person rob God? But you are robbing me. You asked, how have we robbed you? You have robbed me in your offerings and the tenth of your crops. So a curse is on you because the whole nation has robbed me. Bring to the storehouse a full tenth of what you earn, so there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord all-powerful. I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you need. Test me in this. Put me to the test. God is telling us. He's challenging us. Live this way in your life and then step back and watch what I'm going to do. Put me to the test in this. And if this is a promise of God, then we can take it to the bank. Because God's promises, we sang about it earlier, they are yes and amen. God the Father is not a liar. So if he says something, then he's got to back it up. So he says, test me in this. And then when you do, I will open up the windows of heaven for you and pour out all the blessings you 
need. That's an important word. Notice it's not all the blessings you want. It's all the blessings you need in your life. Now, there's some, there's some words in this. We, we talk about this word tenth, and what it actually means, that's where we get our term tithe from. And it's a, it's a portion, it's a, it's a percentage. It is a tenth of everything that the people produced or they, or they brought in. And so when you hear the church talking about giving your offerings and your tithe, tithe comes from that word that means tenth. It's, it's 10% of the things that we bring in. So in essence, if we make $10, then we would give $1 of that to the Lord. And Malachi is very clear. When, when we don't give God what is his, then we're robbing him. But even more than that, we're not just robbing him, we're robbing ourselves. We're robbing ourselves of the blessings that God wants to pour out in our life. And see, whether or not we tithe doesn't have anything to do with money. It actually has everything to do with trust. It's not a money issue, it's a trust issue. It's what's the condition of our heart? It's, do we trust God with the things, with the blessings, with the money, the finances that he has entrusted to us? See, there was a time in my life, and, and just very candidly, I, I, was a, I was on staff at a church, and we had, we had just moved, and I had taken a pay cut, and my wife didn't have a steady job yet, and we had incurred some, some, uh, some costs that we weren't um, expecting, and there was a time for a period of a few months where I felt like, Sarah and I, we just looked at the numbers and we said, we can't, we can't afford to, we can't afford to tithe because we got this over here, we got, we got this over here. And, and for a few months, man, things were, things were crazy. Like our, our finances were messed up and, 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 and there, was, there was infighting and we just weren't on the, same, on the same page and it seemed like one thing after another rose up and everything. And, and my pastor at the time, he had the wherewithal to come to, come to me and he was like, hey man, what's going on? Talk to me, because I see this is an area that's, that's taking place that's not in line with the scriptures. Like, let me help you. And he just encouraged me, you know, and he called me out, and I was like, you're right, I was wrong. And we started to tithe once again. You know what happened? I can't even explain it. The numbers didn't add up. It didn't make any sense, but there was always money there at the end of the month to take care of everything so that we had what we needed. I, it doesn't make any sense, and, and guess what? It's, it's not supposed to. We're not supposed to understand it. But when we put God to the test, like things just happen. Like you walk to the mailbox and, 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 and there's, there's $50 in there, you know, from, from an uncle you've never even heard of before. And you like find money on the ground and, and just, just stuff happens. And, and then, or, or you, get, you get like what you think is a bill in the mail or you open it up and they're like, hey, you remember this account you had from 37 years ago? Well, we overcharged you and here's the kickback on that. And you're like, you know what I'm talking about? Like that stuff just happens because God will make a way. When we commit ourselves to him, when we trust him with what we, he will make a way and it won't make sense. I remember one time we got a huge bill in the mail and I, I, I told Sarah, I was like, I don't know how we're going to pay this. I have no idea how we're going to pay this. And a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, we were praying, my wife and I were praying and we just felt impressed on the Lord to call you and say, did you get a bill in the mail or something recently that you're struggling paying? We, we want to take care of that for you. It doesn't make sense, y'all. 
but it will happen every single time if we put God to the test. Because we can't outgive him. We cannot outgive our heavenly father. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He is not hurting for money. He's not trying to figure out how he's going to make it work. He doesn't need our money, but we need his blessing. And so he's asking us not for our wallet. He's asking us for our hearts. Will you give yourself to me? And if you do, I will open up the floodgates of heaven. See, it's the, it's the simple principle of sowing and reaping. You reap whatever you sow. You plant apple seeds, you get apples. You plant orange seeds, you get You cannot produce something, though, without first planting. I'm just going to get real with some people. Some of y'all are mad at God because he's not producing any blessing in your life, but you haven't planted anything in order for there to be produce. And you're upset with God, but you're holding on everything and you're saying, this is mine. I I, I gotta ask you a question. If, If you're looking to produce a blessing, why not try to plant a blessing first? Because we reap the things that we sow. So if we will sow in blessings, then we can't help it. It's the law of nature. By God's design, the things that we sow will be the things that we reap. So if we sow blessings, then guess what we're going to reap? Blessings. I'm not talking about some prosperity gospel. I'm not saying go down to the dealership and lay your hands on a Cadillac and just name it and claim it. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about God providing for you out of the the overabundance of blessing that he wants for your life. If you will simply trust him, you just got to step out and put God to the test. Because the fact of the matter is, is that God cannot trust us with more until we first trust him with the things we already have. It requires a shift in our mindset. We look at our finances and we think, oh, some of us, 100% of this is mine. No. Others of us look at our finances and we say, okay, 10% of this is God's and 90% of it is mine. No. The correct way to look at our finances is all of this is God's and he's just generous enough to let me keep 90% of it. We've got to come to the realization that it's not ours to begin with. You know how I know? Because it says it right here in James 1.17. This is the brother of Jesus. And he says, every good action and every perfect gift is from God. These good gifts come down from the creator of the sun, moon, and stars. But you don't understand, Pastor Blake. I worked hard for that money. Yeah, who gave you that job? It's all God's anyway. Quit trying to keep what's not yours. And if we could just get a hold of this, then God would open up the heavens and he would pour out so much in our life. If we could just take that closed hand and we could open it up. Man, it's so hard to do. So hard to trust God at that level. It takes so much faith. But man, when you do it, you'll you'll feel more alive than you've ever felt before. That is a guarantee from your pastor. I love what Andy Stanley said. 
He said, it's easy to let go of what doesn't belong to you anyway. And if we could just shift our mindset just a little bit and come to the realization that it's not ours anyway, it'd be so much easier to let go. See, because for a lot of us, God has everything. We're living for him 100%. Well, except for our wallet. It's the one thing that God doesn't have. We're all in over here. We're trusting him in all these other areas. Trusting him with our health. Trusting him with our kids. Trusting him with... But we're not trusting him with our money. And God's saying it's that last 10%. That if you put me to the test and then sit back and watch what I'm going to do in your life. How might our attitude toward money be limiting God's blessings in our life? What's that promise that you've been holding on to like Pastor Ryan was talking about? What's that thing that you need? What is it that you're looking for? And you just keep bumping up against something. Could it be that maybe our view towards money is the thing that's limiting God's blessing in our life. I rattled off a bunch of things, a bunch of financial wins that, that we've seen become real this year as a church. But just, just imagine, I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Imagine what you and I could do together if we, if we looked at the blessings that God has given us financially as a vehicle to be a blessing to other people. What could we do together over the next 30 years and beyond? Think of the impact that you and I could make in this community, in our country, and in our world if we would simply trust God. So here's what I want you to do. I'm, again, I'm not asking you for money. All right, please, I am not asking you for money. But I am asking you to ask God this. God, how would you like me to be a blessing with the finances that you've blessed me with? God, how would you like me to be a blessing with the finances that you have blessed me with? And some of you are here, and <clears throat> maybe you're asking that question today, maybe for the first time. But you know what? God doesn't want just our finances. God wants all of us, 100% of us. And giving him our finances is one thing, but what he really wants is our heart. If you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never entered into a relationship with him, today is your day. As I was preparing for this week, I, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe it was bad tacos, but I just felt there's gonna be somebody here today that the Holy Spirit has been drawing them to him. He, he's, been, he's been whispering in their ear. He, he's been inviting them to come and the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart this morning. Today is your day to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ for the first time. And if that's you, then I wanna invite you to just pray this prayer along with me. We call it the ABC prayer because it's A, admit that we're a sinner, B, believe on Jesus, and then C, choose 
to surrender our lives to him. It really is as simple as that. So if that's you this morning, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. All over this house, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.